You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. The real TED Talks. I've been tempted to start my own website, you know, <laughs> call it TED Talk. Oh, that's great. Uh, this has been a wonderful week, hasn't it, so far? It's been, uh, I think it's been fantastic. And uh, it's uh, always, I thought of this this week, actually. It's one of the, and this has nothing to do with my teaching. Well, maybe. Uh, but there's a, um, uh, in the Old Testament, the Lord commanded his people to come together at least two times a year. I think it was three times a year they came together. But I know that, I understand that two of those, they spent a whole week together. Have you thought about that? It's like the Feast of Tabernacles, I know, was one, and I'm not quite sure what the other one was, but they spent a whole week together. And there's something about spending a week together in worship and in fellowship and in teaching and in ministering to one another. It's just, it, there's something about it. it. It gives time for something to be created in us, something to happen in us. Have you thought about that? No, but anyway, I think it's wonderful to spend this kind of time together. Today, uh, I'm going to go fairly quickly, but I'm going to share just a, an extremely simple perspective on the kingdom of God and the church and the call. The Bible speaks a lot about the call. It says in the book of Acts that uh, the promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's for as many as the Lord our God, all those that the Lord our God shall call. So we're going to talk today about what the call is of the king is, the call of the kingdom. So I'm going to give you just a very simple thing. I've been in, in several of the churches and, and, and preaching something that the Lord has been teaching me over the last few years. And so if some of you have seen some of what I'm going to say before, I'm going to talk about a model of the kingdom that I think is biblical and is extremely simple. And then we're going to talk about the call of God to follow Jesus, to, to be a disciple of Christ. And some of you have heard this before, but sometimes it takes more than once to, uh, oh, the TED Talks are falling apart already. I'm sorry. There we go. If you take a look at the next slide, remember we in our worship, we just spoke about Revelation, how that in Revelation there is a gathering of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. But where are they gathered? They are gathered around the throne of God, right? And it's extremely simple to say this, but the very center of the kingdom of God is obviously the throne. It's what is always seen in the heavenlies. John in Revelation, when he was in John chapter 4, allowed to see into the heavenlies in the spirit, he saw the throne. Around the throne were 24 other thrones of apparently delegated authority to leadership. Like, that's a whole subject in itself. And then thousands and thousands of angels. And then later in Revelation, we read of, of millions and mil millions of angels and millions of people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. There is a gathering around the throne. That's the picture, the biblical picture of God's kingdom. We see it in the book of Daniel. We see it in Isaiah. When he gets to see into the heavens, he sees the throne. And so what I'm going to do is just share a very simple picture that I 
think has helped me. If you go to the next slide. Well, no, stay there for just a second. Stay there. The very center of the kingdom of God has to do with relationship with the king. And we know that. But I, I want to suggest to you in your view of the church and the kingdom of God, think of the throne in the center and our relationship with him as being the innermost circle of the kingdom, the innermost function, purpose of the church, and the innermost goal or purpose of your life is to have a relationship with God. Jesus confirmed that through his words in Matthew 22, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the greatest of all the purposes of God, of all the commandments, to love him. So that is at the center. But then if we move on, if we take the next slide, I'm moving that over to the left and to see the next circle, which is also one of the great commandments of Scripture Jesus himself gave us. But it even it was not... Um, only Christ that gave this commandment. He was reinforcing something the Father had already initiated in the Old Testament, and that's the people of God. And those who are gathered around the throne are his assembly, the assembly of the firstborn, the church, the people of God. And uh, John Wimber used to say that, that that's the, the essential definition of the church. I remember hearing a cassette tape. Do you know what a cassette tape is? Anybody? Actually, Jim doesn't know. I, uh, some of you have never heard of a cassette, but I have, when I was in, I shouldn't even tell this story, but uh, last week I listened to an album at a friend of mine's house, and uh, it was an old, old album. And I said, you know, the first time I bought that album, I bought it on eight-track cassette. And only the old people are laughing now, but there's like a, a box that had tape in it that you would put in your car and stick it into this tape player. It was huge, really huge. That had nothing to do with anything, and I'm sorry, it just exposes my age. But uh, the, uh, uh, my, my point is that, I forgot my point. <laughs> no, the community of the king. John Wimber would say that the church basically are those gathered around the king, gathered around Christ. Even the word for church, assembly or ecclesia, speaks of that gathering at the gates of the city, but also the gathering around Christ. So it's just a simple way. This is so simple that it's almost uh, embarrassing, but I want to just share the next slide with you. In the next slide, we see that the outer circle, I call it the mission of the king. All nations, all people are invited into relationship with the king. So I want to suggest that is a very simple way of looking at the kingdom of God. It's a centric, a concentric model, and I believe that's the biblical model. We see something in the next slide, I believe. In the, um, if you go to the next slide, I wanted you, to know, wanted you to notice something in the tent of meeting in the camp of Israel. We see the same pattern. We see the tabernacle in the very center. And we see the ark, which represents the throne of God, the footstool of his throne. We see the community of the king, the 12 tribes camped around the throne, facing the throne some distance away. And then we see the awareness of all nations that Israel is to be a blessing to. Do you know what that reflects? That reflects, if you take the next slide, it says in Hebrews 5 that they serve the tabernacle and this whole system of the camp. They were serving in a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. What does it reflect? It reflects that throne we read about in Revelation, right? 
the throne at the center of all things and the people of God and the angels and the beings of heaven gathered around the throne in worship, in relationship with him and in genuine community. So when we pray the prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, God was giving us a picture in the people of Israel of, of what it's like that the king in the center, his people gathered around him, them living lives in community that are expressing the love of God to one another and them opening their doors to invite all nations, all people to the very throne of God. You understand? That is a picture of the kingdom. So when we pray, let your kingdom come, we're praying, Lord, may your throne be the center of earth's attention and may people in, in your community uh, worship you and may they gather around you. May they have a lifestyle together that reflects the life of your kingdom. And may all nations hear the invitation to come and be the people of your kingdom. The kingdom comes as people come to his throne, to relationship with him. The kingdom comes. The kingdom comes as you grow in your relationship with him. Okay, I want to take a look at the call, what I call the call of the kingdom. This is also extremely simple, extremely biblical, but if we can take the next slide. The great call of Scripture is what we've already heard today many times. Come to me. Aren't those beautiful words? Uh, I am an American. I've lived half my life over here, so I understand that you're extremely excited right now about what I'm saying. But... <laughs> because I've been in Sweden for so many years, but it would help the American side of me if you would maybe nod a little bit once in a while. Or Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. The great call of Scripture of the, of the kingdom is come to me. I just love it. If you go to the, a couple of slides fairly quickly, I think of Isaiah 55. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love that's promised to David. In the wonderful words of Jesus in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. It's the great call to come. If you go to the next slide, I'm doing this kind of quickly. John 7:37. on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Luke 18, and I wanted to remind us of this. Jesus called the children and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That's what Rachel was teaching yesterday. It's fantastic. The kingdom belongs to them. They're not going to be members. They are members of the kingdom. It's fantastic. Okay, if we go to the next slide. The... Um, call of God to come. I want us to take uh, a little bit of a closer look at the call of God. There's a first part of this call, and, and if you've noticed, I've, I've drawn a dotted line around the community of the king. And I want you to see that as a representation of the life of the church. Uh, the, the very center of the life of the church is our relationship with God. The dotted line represents the how do I say it, that boundary that's not really a boundary, but it is an identifying uh, threshold between those who are followers of the king and those who are not yet. But there is a journey from being outside and totally unaware of the kingdom to 
taking steps toward the king. And I usually call that part of the journey the come and see part of the journey. It's so cool to see in, in the book of John, the first chapter. I have these verses on the slides, but it, you know, we see that Andrew and John, when they, if I can maybe, I'll just read it. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that they'd received a call yet to follow him. That just means that they walked after him, Okay. Because it says Jesus turned around, he saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? You know, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I mean, that's kind of a strange question. Where do you live? Where's your tent in the camp? Where's your house trailer or whatever? And he said, come and you will see. But I want you to see that Jesus was, was how do I say it? He gave them an easy start in their relationship with him come with me, we'll go home to my place and we'll have fika, we'll have coffee, we'll, we'll talk. And it says that they, they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? To me, it shows the soft invitation of Jesus for someone to enter into relationship with him, just to get to know him. It's the come and see aspect of the the invitation to the kingdom. If you look at another couple of scriptures, the next one's here in John, we see that Philip, when he found Nathanael, Philip had already begun to follow Christ. He found Nathanael and he told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathanael says, Nazareth, can anything good come from that? And Nathanael asked, come, and he asked, and then Philip said, come and see. Come and see. You see the difference between, uh, you know, just trying to convince him right there on the spot, but he's inviting him to come and see. John chapter 4, verse 29. By the way, Nathaniel was a skeptic. He was a skeptic. And sometimes skeptics people that are skeptical of the faith and the kingdom of God, or they're not really open to some kind of discussion and answering their questions, but they can be invited to come and see. You follow me? Wow, you're excited. John 4.29. John 4.29. This is the woman at the well. She met Christ around the water well in the city by Samaria, and uh, in Samaria. And as, as Jesus was really working in her life, and we know that whole story, but I think it's cool what happens right afterwards. She goes into the city, and she runs around in the city, and she's apparently kind of shouting this out, or she's not just whispering it. She's telling a lot of people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. So what I want you to see is there's an invitational part of, of the kingdom that we need to grab. We need to get it. We need to be invitational people. We need to be invitational, come and see. And the pathway to the throne, and this is something that I don't have time to develop, but did you know that the pathway to Christ, according to what I see in Scripture, leads through contact with the people of God. It leads through community. I was trying to, you know, I was playing with this uh, illustration. I thought, wait a minute, there's got to be a way they can jump over community and just go straight to the throne. But as you know, I don't see it in Scripture. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, 
was a man who believed in God. He met an angel. The angel revealed himself to him, and the angel could have told him about Christ. But what did he tell Cornelius to do? Those of you who know your Bibles, he says, call for a man named Peter. The angel did not have permission to share the gospel because the gospel was committed to the church. Ouch. When Paul met Jesus himself on the road to Damascus, he didn't explain the kingdom to him. Have you thought about that? That's scary to me. Jesus said, go, and you will meet a man named what? Ananias. I think it was Ananias, right? Who explained the kingdom to Paul. Even Jesus didn't do it. That's scary to me. <laughs> you know what it implies? It implies that we have been entrusted with the gospel. We have been entrusted with the invitation to the kingdom not the angels. They will help us. Jesus himself will help us. How many, and this is something I'm not sure how to say, but I know in one particular nation in the Middle East right now, a lot of people are having dreams. A lot of people that are from the Muslim faith are having dreams where they see Jesus. And they, th their eyes are open to the fact this Jesus is real, he loves me, and, and wants to have something to do with me but he doesn't tell them and explain to them the kingdom in those dreams. But then we see that the Holy Spirit helps them to be in contact with the community, with someone whose follower is a follower of Jesus. It's a pattern all through scripture that the pathway, the invitation to the kingdom is through community. We have been entrusted with a great treasure, a great treasure. Okay, if we continue on here to the next part. The second part of this era, the first thing I want to say there, if we can uh, think about that first part again, that uh, first threshold, it speaks to us as individuals that we need to be more invitational and be willing to invite our friends to things where they can get to know people in the church and they get to, get to uh, have contact with us. But I think it also speaks to us as leaders that we need to work hard at, at creating possibilities for that, creating meetings or gatherings or activities that are easy to bring people to, right? You're so excited. Jesus invited people to his home. He opened his home and said, well, just come, let's hang out together for the afternoon. Uh, sometimes in our home group, there's a few people here that are part of our home group uh, in Stockholm. Sometimes we'll have a gathering that we say, this is not a normal gathering with Bible study and worship and prayer and ministry and things like that. But we're going to have a gathering that is extremely low threshold so that we can invite friends who don't normally come to church and don't know what this is about. And we'll just grill something and we'll play some games and we'll just hang out. We'll watch a movie sometimes. We'll just have a time together. It's like Jesus inviting someone to his house to be with them. I'm sure Jesus had conversation a lot deeper than what we have. But do you get the idea? There's the come and see invitational part of the kingdom that we need to learn, I believe, as a church, especially in the vineyard. We are so, I think, wonderfully focused on our relationship with God, but we need to also realize that that out of that relationship with God is a calling to be invitational to those who don't know him and to be willing to embrace them in our lives. Okay, uh, I don't know what time it is, but we need to move on. Yes. 
The next line that I showed you, if we back up just one picture there, you'll see this little red arrow coming to the throne. There's another threshold. And that threshold really is, is that decision to follow Christ. And I've already shared today about the invitation to Jesus, and I'm so thankful. Some of you said yes to Jesus today, and some of you understood what it, what it means to say, okay, I, I need to take that step. And that step we took today is the one I'm talking about where that red line is. It's entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ where you confess him as your leader, as your master, as your Lord, and you enter into a new, how do I say it, not just phase, but a new life, the Bible says, with him. Something happens in you, and he has begun a process today in those of you who, who, who made that step. Of, he's going to change you, begin changing things in you. And that's what he's doing with all of us. He's changing things. But that step is the most important step of life. And if you go on to the next slide, and that was that wonderful verse in Romans. With, if you confess him with your mouth, that what? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That, that, that step of confessing him as Lord and crossing that line into relationship with God, it's the most beautiful miracle we can see at camp. We can see healings, we can see a lot of other things happen, but the most beautiful miracle is when a person is stepping out of that darkness, the Bible calls it an into light, crossing that line of accepting and confessing Jesus as Lord. Amen? Amen. It's the greatest miracle because it leads to eternity. Okay, the next line, we have just a few minutes left here, is the live in me line. When we come into relationship with God, and we could talk about this for weeks, but I just want to say a few simple things. When we come into relationship with God, there's several things that begin to happen. One of those things, and I have verses on this in 2 Corinthians, it talks about he begins a change in us. In Philippians it says, he began a good work in you, and he's going to complete it. It also says that in, in Philippians, in the second chapter, that, uh, first and second chapter there, that he is at work in your will, and is at work in your, in your life in such a way so that you would both want to do his will and also have the power and ability to do his will. He's in your will and your actions so that his will will be done. He's working in us. And in First, Second Corinthians, it says that that is like a transformation that's going on. Today we had, uh, pardon me, not today possibly, but this week, I know Norbert who's had a couple of seminars, and the, the word spiritual formation is used to, de to describe that part of our lives where in our relationship with God, we are deepening our relationship with him, getting to know him better, allowing him to work in us so that we are changed, transformed, formed more into the image of Christ. That is one of the things that happen in your life with Jesus. It's what you're called to. You're called to come to him, but you're called to live in him, to allow him to work in you and to make you all that you want to be. Got it? In the church, a lot of the things that we do are related to that, 
to the process of living in him and allowing him to form us. As we, and I think there's a slide, I don't have time to look at all these slides, but we encounter him, we meet with him in worship. Today we worship God. And I felt an encounter with him in worship. He listens. I've been a worship leader myself for quite a few years and a worship pastor in a couple of churches. And I, when I lead worship and I come into a room like this, I just, it's not just imagination. It's, it's like a faith, faith a nation. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference in imagination and faith a nation. I know that Jesus is here. You know? He's in the room. He's like listening to everyone. It doesn't matter how far back you sit. He can hear you sing and he knows your thoughts and he knows your heart. And it's like that, that invisible presence of Jesus as we worship him. It's an encounter with him. And sometimes you feel it maybe even physically. Sometimes not, but he's here. And it's part of our living in him, word of God, as we preach the word of God as best we can from our churches and these platforms. It's like the Lord speaks to us through his word. It's part of his word to us, his teaching us about himself, and so forth and so forth. As prayer, as we come before him, that's one of the key things, the key, act, not just activities, but aspects of our relationship with him. The Lord's table, that became so alive to me about 15, 20 years ago, he meets us at the table. I felt the Lord met me last night. I walked up here and got some of that gluten-free bread, and I thought, wow, what kind of bread is this? I didn't realize this is gluten-free. But uh, I thought, Jesus, <laughs> you've changed. <laughs> and, but, uh, yeah, there's no theology in that that I just said at all. I just walked over to the side and, and uh, you know, once I got over the shock of the gluten-free bread, I just, I just kind of, uh, yeah, Lord, this is you wanting to meet with me, wanting to, to communicate with me, wanting to be in me. I love the verse of Scripture where Jesus and John, and I think it's there somewhere. Uh, yeah, the last one here, John 14. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. He's describing this relationship of, of being all bound up with him, being all mixed up with him. And the, the table of the Lord is part of that. So what I want us to say that the second error, I want to go on to the third error here, if that's okay. There's so much to say about this. If we keep going, the last arrow, the great arrow of scripture is to go with me. Go with me. And... Um, I hope you understand what I'm saying, but it's uh, the great call of God is not only to come to him, not only to experience life abundantly and to know him and to be changed by him and to live in a relationship with him, but it's also to go with him. He wants every single person in this room to understand that he has a purpose for your life, that he wants to, by his grace and enabling power, help you to fulfill his purposes for you. I believe that includes your work, your vocational calling, that God will be with you and help you in that <clears throat> to become all that you are intended to be. That includes your, uh, what you might consider your spiritual grace to serve within that vocational calling and in the church. He has purposes for your life and he wants to go with you in life and he sends you into life 
with him inside of you. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. Uh, if we can go on to the next one. I want to take a quick look at the beginning of this arrow. There's a thing called grace. A thing called grace. And we misunderstand it sometimes. Grace is the empowering, enabling, giving heart of God toward us. Mercy is another word in English, and I'm thankful for that word because that, that's the side of grace that is more the forgiving side of God. He, he meets us with mercy, but he sends us by grace. Follow me? Grace is the empowering, enabling aspect of our relationship with God where he pours into us something of himself that helps us to do what he wants us to do. The gifts of the Spirit basically mean the grace of the Spirit. The, the word gifts and grace is the same thing, basically, in, in, the, in the New Testament. And we call them the, the gifts, and we think in terms of a package. You need to start thinking in terms of a, of a plug into the wall, instead of a package. You have, a, you have an ability to do something. It's like a, a hairdryer. If you're a hairdryer, then you plug yourself into the, to the wall and you can dry hair. If you're a shaver, mine died this morning, you plug yourself. That's a terrible illustration. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? That, that it, grace is a flow. It's something that flows from God through you to others, enabling you to serve. So that is the first part of this arrow, go with me. All service for the Lord flows out of our relationship with him. That's why living in him is, how do I say it, foundational to serving him. If we're not in him, we cannot serve with him and go with him. So serving the Lord it flows out of our relationship with him. He gives us grace. I usually, when I'm, when I'm ministering or serving in in any way, not just preaching like this. But you know what I see in my mind? I think of Revelation 22. You remember that river flowing out of the throne? Some of you have read the Bibles, but the Bible says in Revelation 22, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, that the throne of God is in heaven and in New Jerusalem, and there's a river of life flowing from the throne. And it's flowing out, and there's life all over the place. I, I usually, in my mind's eye, think, Lord, I pray that you will flow to me and through me to others. So I want to invite you to, to think that same way. As you're serving someone else in prayer or with children or with worship, pray that prayer, Lord, flow to me, but also through me to others. Stand in the flow of God's grace and his life, his love, his word. We can go on. We're just going to be ending here very, very soon. Then the last part, which we just want to show you the picture. We are sent to represent Jesus. And it's the same grace, the same flow of grace from the same throne that is going through us as we step into our jobs every day, as we step into our schools, into our neighborhoods, into, onto that train or that bus that you're riding to work. But see yourself as a representative of Jesus, called to demonstrate his love, called to explain his kingdom as best you can when God gives you opportunity, and called to invite to the kingdom. You got it? 
those of you who want to get this little acronym, Missio Dei, that's a Latin word for the mission of God. It's his mission. Take the last three letters, D-E-I in Latin, demonstrate, explain, invite. That's kind of my next teaching or my preaching about how to represent Jesus. We're called to demonstrate his love, to explain his kingdom as best we can, or proclaim is the other word, and to invite. What's the invitation? Come and see. Isn't that beautiful? Those lines are called a discipleship. That's the path of discipleship in your life. Coming to him, living in him, going with him, to becoming all that he's called you to be. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful joy of being part of your kingdom. And I pray that you would help us as uh, individuals to follow you, to be disciples of you, of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to uh, allow you to change us and to develop us into what you are, more like you. And Lord, we, um, we pray that you will help us to, uh, I pray for this line of calling, calling us to go with you and to serve with you. Help us to do that better, Lord. Help us to serve you when we come together like this in the community of, of the King, but also, also, Lord, when we step out into our workplaces, our schools, our jobs, our neighborhoods. Help us to be more in the flow of your grace in your life as we meet people, that they would sense there's something there that's more than just a nice person. There's something more. Thank you, Father. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Your will be done here. May we reflect the wonderful reality of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being so kind and listening and uh, be good disciples today. Amen. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic Podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.